I'm Gareth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Sydney calls Telstra as they launch the Sydney 500. Hopefully there's 300,000 plus people there also. And Frosty tells us why he was testing FBR's Falcon. Really just creates a bit more awareness on what other areas you can improve. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Saturday saw the biggest event launch in the history of V8 supercars, with six cars forming a V8 convoy that crossed the Harbour Bridge and headed to Martin Place, where the series dialed up Telstra as the naming rights sponsor for the 500. With an expected crowd of 150,000 people, the Sydney street race is the largest financial risk V8 supercars has ever taken. But if they can pull it off, it will provide the biggest payoff. Mark Winterbottom told the V8 Insiders that going to Queensland Raceway last week was like a small homecoming. It was a pretty easy fit to go straight back up there and drive it because all the the guys that worked on my development car were pretty well the same guys that were there. So um, it did make it pretty easy to fit straight back in. So what did the FPR lead driver think of the SBR pony? It was really good. The car was actually really strong and uh, did some pretty good times up there on the uh, on the afternoon and. Um, yeah, I was really, uh, really impressed with how the, the cars, you know, are both forwards, but they're both a lot different to drive. So it just proves that setup is a is a massive part of what we what we do, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get some ideas off off what they've um, what they've got in their car. Why did Winterbottom get a chance to drive his opposition's car? Is it because Triple Eight have been so dominant this year? Triple Eight have got. Pretty well, six cars in the field. They've got there too the, the DGR cars, the Crookshank cars, and the Marcus Marshall car. And you look at the Holden team, they've got um, Garth and uh, Will, and then the uh, two HSV cars plus the BJR cars. So it's sort of forcing you to go down that line anyway, whether we were dominating the series or Triple Eight were or whoever. But um, it's probably the logical thing. The two forward supported teams, um, you know, work together and and uh, you know, it's probably more the other that forced you to do it than um, the outright results because you always back yourself that you can get your car right and Triple Eight's obviously having a good run but their, their streak won't last. You know, Another team will come past and have a good run and then we'll all be talking about them. So um, you know, that's the way motorsport works. You, you sit on your hands for one second and you, you're not moving forward so uh, you'll get caught out. V8 supercars have put on hold plans to change the fuel tank size from 115 litres to 75 until next year. V8 supercars telling Big Pond that the decision was cost-based. For Simmons Plains and the rest of the 100km races this season, the teams will be required to add 50 litres of E85 to their cars, a system that worked well at Winton last time out. 
Walkinshaw Performance will be rolling out new parts to their customers. The new front-end componentry is hoped to see the WR cars handling the tight corners of Tassie with improved turn performance. Tim Slade said he's coming to grips with the main game and believes that having the dude in his corner has really helped his back-to-basics approach. Dude's been awesome. Um, couldn't ask for much better, really. That's probably the most disappointing part on, on my behalf is that you know he hasn't put any pressure on me um, at all this year. Um, and you know it was disappointing when you know I probably get out there. I know there's no pressure, but sort of put pressure on myself and and end up um, you know with with non finishes. So um, yeah, him and I sort of work well together. I guess because he's driven you know a lot of different cars over a hell of a lot of years. It's um, you know his his knowledge is sort of invaluable on the track. It was really good. Sydney boy Mark Winterbottom driving across the Harbour Bridge was a great experience. You know you can have a bit of a look around, but. It's also hard because the race car feels every every bump and pothole in the road, and you pretty well were, were looking to make sure you didn't bottom out the car. But um, no, it was good at one stage. You're looking around, and it just felt like you're in peak hour because you had cars passing you in other lanes, and um, you felt like you were trying to get to work at Martin Place. So um, quite an odd feeling, and you know, our cars aren't built to go at 50 kilometres an hour, so it was quite a, a challenge making it go at that speed without burning the clutch out. So. Um, just a great experience, you know, one of those things that will never happen again and, um, you know, you keep the footage and, and um, yeah, it's going to be great to watch that in years to come because not often you can drive a race car across a harbour bridge, so uh, just an awesome experience. On this week's White Flag Lap, we hear more about the Dunlop Yellows, but next it's Luke West and Gordon Lomas. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen from the Stone Brothers Racing SP Tools. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back, Roundtable time now. And due to some technical difficulties, this Roundtable has been edited. Joining us... Luke West from Auto Action, of course, V8X Magazine, and also Gordon Lomas from V8X Magazine. And I started by asking Gordon about his thoughts on the Sydney Telstra 500 and whether he thinks the risk the V8 supercars are taking will see them with the biggest payoff in their history. Yeah, it has, but it's, you know, let's not lose sight of the fact that it is an absolute massive risk to V8 supercars, which, you know, they've uh, gladly uh, undertaken themselves. Um, uh, I'm reasonably optimistic that that the thing will work. I'm I'm always a pessimist when it comes to sporting events in Sydney. Um, You know, Sydney Olympics alone, anything else is just an absolute recipe for disaster. Um, You know, they've tried... uh, Finals AFL games, at, you know, at, at Homebush and uh, and haven't drawn crowds and and God knows what. But um, but I'm reasonably optimistic because, uh, as you said before, 
they've they've actually set their standards fairly low in terms of an aggregate crowd. I think the figure bandied about is about 175,000. Now, while that seems like a healthy amount, I'll take you back 12 months to the first race in Hamilton last year in New Zealand. The crowd figure um, for that round was somewhere in the vicinity of 172,000. So I think, um, you know, 175 is, is really sort of flying under the radar for a... Um, you know, from their point of view. Now, Luke, they say that Sydney siders don't go out to sporting events, but for motor racing, they might not have gone to Eastern Creek for whatever reason, but they did used to turn up in droves for Oran Park. Yeah, Oran Park had a very loyal following, a very loyal crowd. It's in the MacArthur district, and that's a real growth area, has been for the last 20 years or so in Sydney's southwest. And it's reasonably easy for that motorsport heartland area people, or for those motorsport heartland people to get to Oran Park, you're suggesting not so easy to get out of there. But it, in Sydney terms, right slap bang in a big, big drawing zone for motorsport. Eastern Creek is actually in a good spot, but for whatever reason, the fans haven't embraced it equally. In the western suburbs, in fact, in the geographic heart of Sydney, that's where you find Homebush. So it's pretty well located. Last Saturday night, they drew 33,000, I think it was, to a Swans game. I live in northwest Sydney in the Hills District, and the number of buses that I saw, we went out, had a party to go to, so we uh, drove uh, the 20 minutes from our house virtually past Homebush. Couldn't believe the number of buses full of red and white Swanee supporters going out to Homebush. So it is possible to draw a crowd there, and I think it will be reasonably well embraced, certainly in the first year, um, by the Sydney siders. Then it's a matter of will it be another Adelaide or will it be less successful? We saw what happened with Canberra with uh, a lot of punters rocking up the first year but deciding it wasn't for them and they didn't get much repeat business. So I think the first year is critical. I'm... I'm heartened by the fact that I'm hearing that the track is going to be really wide in parts. It'll be narrowish in in other spots, but I don't think we'll have a repeat of Canberra on that narrow track where it was virtually impossible. So we know how well the V8 supercars race and pass in Adelaide. Fingers crossed this is going to be uh, at least three quarters as good as Adelaide. If so, it'll be a roaring success. Gordon, the move to a 500 at Sydney, that's a big step, and uh, and I, I love using the pun that the V8 supercars dialed up. Suggesting to get out of there, not so easy to get. But terms in Sydney, tight slap back, right a big bang in ring zone, big draw for East Motorsport. Eastern Creek is a spot, but for actually in a good fans haven't ever reason they've embraced it equal in the West. Yeah, that's right, um, dialed up, as long as the punters don't hang up before the event's actually on. But, uh, but look, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, uh, two 250-kilometre two races, makes sense, doesn't it? You know, the season starts with Clipsal, which is, uh, what's that? Two 250-kilometre races. So, you know, um, an event of that magnitude finishing the season in Australia's biggest city, you know, 250-kilometre races on Saturday and Sunday... Makes, makes a hell of a lot of sense. 
But look, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that, that putters will uh, will actually turn up to uh, to Sydney. I've always I've always had the opinion that the first year of the of the home you know of the Telstra 500 will you know will be an absolute winner because there's going to be a hell of a lot of curiosity there first first up, and you know the the events revolving around it. It's not just going to be you know rock concerts and whatever else. There's a whole swag of things going on around it. So I think I don't think there's a gamble that the first year is going to be a runaway success. I think what is going to be the question mark is Sydney people going to embrace that and then take it on year in, year out from here on. Lee Kernigan's got an absolute mortgage on Saturday night at uh, the Eclipsal 500, Luke. Uh, is this the same set? Are we going to see country night every Saturday at the Sydney 500? I don't know. It will be country. I think that it would be a very different crowd there. Not quite sure what they're going to do. In fact, I was a bit surprised that um, V8 Supercars didn't announce the concert lineup. We, they did announce that concerts would be held within the ANZ Stadium. That's the Olympic Stadium. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure who they've got lined up. It's a tricky one as to what sort of act you get, isn't it? Mm, well, we've seen with the Grand Prix, of course, they've gone for international superstar lineups and uh, for Clipsal they've really flip-flopped between internationals and uh, local well, they have yeah. At Clipsal they have theme nights, so you have a country night one night, you have um, the latest hip rock and dance bands another night to get the, the teenagers and the young adults then you have the classic Australian rock night to cater I guess for oldies like all of us, so the hoodoo gurus and that sort of level of band, that sort of thing. So maybe they'll have a similar approach in Sydney. I don't know what you think, Gohoro, but uh, Shane Howard has had a remarkable few months where he came along and knew he was going to be setting up Townsville and all of a sudden, well, you're going to be setting up a huge street race in Sydney and then you get to Oran Park and find out that, hey, we're also managing Sandown. You better, um, you know, start doing a bit of a job on getting that ready for us. Oh, look, you know, I mean, Shane Howard is um, is by far and away one of the best operators that they have at V8 Supercars Australia. I mean, you know, his job, you could not possibly start to imagine the scope of, of the, the, the entire brief. I mean, it's just absolutely monumental. And, uh, and you know, he, him and his team, which, um, you know, used to be fairly small, but I think it's increased uh, just recently, um, you know... What they've managed to do and achieve in the past and, you know, looking forward to the future is just, just an absolute uh, credit to themselves. It really is. Now, you know, the, the big thing about Sydney is, you know, let, let's wait and see. Um, we're all, you know, we've all got a, a degree of scepticism about Sydney because of, you know, geographically and, uh, and from a sporting point of view, they, they, they sort of tend to shy away from big sporting events. But, um, but look, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just have to wait and see whether... What's the, what's the ticket prices that they announced? Like $399, 400 bucks for a covered grandstand seat for the uh, four days? I mean, you know, whether, whether the punters are going to shell out the money and turn up to Homebush, we'll, you know, we'll, uh, we'll find out in December. But, um, but, hey, you know, it's been a long road to get to this point. I mean, they first started talking about Homebush, what, eight, nine years ago? And, um, and, and finally, I mean, persistence, uh, and it certainly was persistence, has, has prevailed. So, uh, you know, 
you know, good luck to them uh, that, that the event um, can actually uh, be successful in its first year. Mm, it's going to be uh, great to also see the car shows and everything else that they're trying to put on with it. But here's the thing we haven't talked about, guys. December in Sydney can be a touch warm. How are these true. drivers going to handle, you know, 30, 35 degree heat, high humidity on the Harbour City? That is going to be a hole that these drivers are going to undertake right at the end of a long season. Gordo? Well, sorry, sorry guys. just butt in here. Um, we've been going to Hidden Valley in Darwin for the last 10 years. You know, it's, you know it is a mighty hot place in the middle of our winter. Um, it's, you know, it, I mean, the, the, the winter temperatures in Darwin are our summer temperatures on the eastern seaboard. So I, I really don't think that's an issue. I mean, look at Adelaide, for, you know, for starters. Adelaide, which opens the year in, you know, traditionally in March, around March time, you know, we've had some absolutely horrendous temperatures there. So, you know, I, don't, I really, really don't think early December in Sydney is going to pose any problems whatsoever. Mm. Now, Luke... Actually, as a Sydney cider, you'd be unlucky to get a really boiling hot weekend because... Sydney in summer gets hot, but it's usually after Christmas in January and February that you get the, the scorching weather. And I know from the last few years, you go try to go to the beach in Sydney in November and it's a bit chilly. So in terms of, you know, it's not chilly cold, but it's a little bit too cool, not quite hot enough to actually get to the beach. So they would be very, very unlucky to score one of those scorches, but of course it could happen. Mm. Now, Luke, I know that you're a man that took great notice of this, not this year, but the previous year's Clipsal 500, and you looked at those television figures, and they were beaten by cricket on Channel 9. December is prime cricket territory, and I haven't seen the calendar yet for the Australian Cricket Board, but remembering that they're about to go on an Ashes tour, which is going to prime everyone up for the summer, is that going to be a major factor to Seven's coverage of the V8 supercars? Well, I'm not quite sure. When does Cricket Australia announce the test dates? To be honest with you, it's probably soon. on the net now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not quite sure. The last few years, the calendar is always stretched into cricket season, and one of the final rounds usually clashes with one of the pre-Christmas tests. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that lines up. The other thing, of course, is that uh, I was when there's been a lot of talk about Tiger Woods coming out and uh, competing. I think is it in the uh, either Australian Masters or Australian Open. That I looked at that date. That doesn't clash. That mass has hysteria of Tiger Woods being in the country playing doesn't clash with one of the V8 rounds. I think that's also a no, Channel 7 product too, so it's... That's it's right, the, the, the Tiger Woods round, I think it's the Australian Masters, that's actually the weekend after Bahrain. Right. So uh, there's absolutely no possibility of a clash there. But uh, with the cricket, I don't think that's any... There's no dramas there anyway, because didn't I read or hear somewhere the other day that Test Cricket's dead? And, you know, Clipsal, um, sorry, Homebush... Uh, you know, is, gonna, is more than likely going to be a test cricket weekend, so there's no problems. It's really a different crowd, isn't it? They're trying to get the family, Sydney siders, family crowd out, and I guess the party crowd too, out to Homebush, and that really doesn't stack up 
doesn't really match up with the test cricket audience on TV. It's interesting, though, because we do have one time where cricket and V8 supercars ran back-to-back, and it was not good for the V8 supercars. Equally, there was actually a bit of positive press for V8 supercars a couple of years ago when the Tasmanian round was on, and it clashed with uh, one of the tests... Um, I can't remember Absolutely. what team it was, was. Yeah, the test at Belreve and Homart. It might have been the Sri Lankans out playing. And actually, the V8 supercars, There was. A, I remember reading the Launcester Examiner and the Hobart Mercury, and they made a point of how the V8 supercars absolutely trounced the cricket when it was both in Tasmania on the same weekend. So that was a good story. It doesn't always work out that way. It's different if the, the Poms are out. I don't even know what teams are out in cricket. That is uh, a massive influence on how much hysteria there is surrounding cricket. Remember the Ashes tour four years ago or three years ago, the, the Revenge tour when the Poms came out after getting thrashed, then nothing else got a look in sports-wise. But I don't... It's definitely not the Poms coming out in summer because we're only having the Ashes tour with the Aussies going to England. We'll be back with more of the V8 Insiders as I apologise again for the uh, the confusion of this roundtable segment. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto from Rod Nash Racing. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Gordo and Luke West. Gas and go time, guys. And five questions in three minutes. It's certainly got a Sydney focus here. But Gas and Go, starting from now, Luke West, where would you like to build the next street race track? Well, you won't have another one in Sydney, another one in Australia, I should say, because the market is saturated for street races in this country. Gordo, so where would you test? Luke doesn't want to. Totally agree. I, I don't think we should have another street race in, in Australia. I don't think there's any room for it. I don't think there's any need for it. I think if we're going to have another street race, it's definitely going to be in Southeast Asia. All right, then. When could we see the next manufacturer join the series, considering everyone's broke? Well, you know, I mean, that's the, that's the key thing. You know, obviously things are going to turn around, but I really can't see locally anyone becoming interested involved or uh, or cashed up until at least 2011. Luke? In fact, we're on a road now with the current vehicles, I think for about another four or five years. I think it's certainly another four years and the big wigs at V8 Supercars World Headquarters are currently formulating what the formula is going to be for to be introduced around 2013-2014 so don't expect anything now it's a dead topic until 
they, they start revealing a few details of what the next V8 supercar formula will entail for that period for five years' time. Shouldn't one all-star race be brought into V8 supercars? And uh, if so, is the Grand Prix weekend the one to bring it in for? I'm saying this because last weekend I got to watch a fantastic race from Charlotte. The uh, Well, it used to be called the Winston, but uh, it's now, what, the uh, Sprint All-Star weekend. Luke? No, I think that would just be another uh, meaningless race. It's OK for NASCAR works all right over there but what would you do you're just sort of running um 20 cars or 15 cars i don't think we need it another meaningless like race like the grand prix weekend look gordo yeah look i i to be quite honest i i watched the all-star um uh, race at charlotte on the weekend and and gee it's great entertainment and i reckon it's a bloody good idea and grand prix weekend at albert park when you know championship uh, deals don't count. I think it's a, it, it absolutely fits the bill. Let's have it. The, the more we copy NASCAR, the better. Yeah, and it might even give us a chance to see cars not start from pit lane. Which street race will have the bigger crowd, Townsville or Sydney, Gordon? Well, you know, I, to be quite honest, I've been, I've been weighing this up, you know, in my own mind uh, and, and trying not to be a biased Queenslander. But I, I think you'll seriously find that it's going to be line ball. I mean, you know, Luke and, and, and I think you did too, Craig, mentioned earlier that, um, you know, the seating capacity at Homebush um, or the, the Sydney Olympic uh, Park is, is going to be limited. Um, but I, I seriously think that um, if... Look, if put it this way, if Hamilton in New Zealand attracted 172,113 people, as indicated in V8 Supercar's own media guide, um, is any indication, Townsville's got to have at least that. And, uh, and Sydney, well, they're saying 175. It's going to be line ball. Luke? I think Townsville, it'll be line ball this year, and I think Townsville, I don't think there's a lot of scope for it to grow. I think it will be a hit this year and will continue to be a hit, but it won't attract many more people in the subsequent years. I think Sydney will match it this year and then it could go either way. What happen? What happens if Sydney does a Canberra? Can the sport survive without a Sydney race? Can the sport survive Sydney collapsing? Well, I think the sport can survive, but it won't go to the next level. And that's what Homebush is all about, to take it, to crack one quarter of the population of Australia lives within uh, about an hour and a half's drive of the Homebush venue. So to take the sport into the booming next decade, Sydney has to really fire. If it doesn't fire, then it's still a great championship. Got it. Sydney sinking or swimming. Gee, you know, I tell you what, I, there's absolutely no chance that Sydney will do a Canberra. There's as much chance of that happening as me winning Bathurst this year. It's got absolutely no chance of, uh, of doing a Canberra. Look, I, I think, um, you know, from a corporate point of view, it's all about sponsors. It's all about putting the whole show on a bigger stage in front of bigger clients, in front of a different audience, in front of a bigger reach. Sydney's got to work. You So you're saying Sydney failing will be as likely as you just getting $900 for the government for doing nothing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. How, but, how happy we some KOE all-star V8 super to be brought into... <laughs> Craig, Craig, to tell you the truth, I haven't even got mine. I'm just being withheld by my account. Yeah, because I heard what you said last day from Shadins got to watch it. <laughs> You're right. The only good thing to come out of Canberra is the tax return. <laughs> the, uh, go there because uh, I know you don't want the tax problems that Gordo's got now. <laughs> no, I don't even want to hear about it. Well, Gee. may you laugh. <laughs> 15 cars, 20 cars, or need it. Another, I don't think we need it's like another meaning like the Grand Prix. I just want to hear who's going to win Simmons Plains, Gordo. Oh, gee, big call. Uh, very, very big call. Um, you know, I, 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 I remember saying before Winton that uh, I don't think you'll see Triple Eight dominating like they have done all year. And, uh, and, you know, they probably won't have the dominance in this and that. And what happens? Lowndes comes out and blouses them. So, look, uh, I think Craig's on a bit of a roll. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he's more focused than he has been for a long, long time. I think Craig will pick up the bit again and, and, uh, and make it back-to-back round wins. Luke? Or, or race wins, sorry. I've picked Panda every round so far. He's been my tip. And, well, you know the story. He hasn't come through. He's got a stage. He has it in him. The car's got it in him. I reckon it might be this weekend. Having said that, I think what we saw at Winton with Triple Eight's two guns being on vastly different strategies, they're going to employ, employ the same thing again. In Tasmania, the race will be decided by the timing of a safety car, I can tell you that, with that oh. short lap down there. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing all nations. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, Gordon Lomas and Luke West, absolute pleasure. We can read both of your work in the latest V8X edition that's on sale now. Can indeed. Thank you, guys, and see you at Homebush in December. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We'll be back with the white flag lap right after this break. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from the Valvoline Cummins team. You're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Kevin Fitzsimmons is the man in charge of getting these super soft tyres working in V8 Supercars. He had a good first outing, but what more can he do to get the tyres to work even better? Um, the engineers in Japan were very, very happy. Uh, they did an, uh, an incredibly good job because um, with the new polymers of the tyres, the with the synthetic oil and everything that came on board last year, they didn't have a great deal of data on anything with soft because naturally enough we hadn't run qualifying tyres for a long, long time and to come up with something that actually did the job as well as it did and was consistent and guys rolled the dice and put it back on on the Sunday and all those type of things and everything um, was very, very encouraging. So they were, they were very, very happy with the way it all went and the press it received and everything's all been pretty positive. Well, it has been uh, an interesting debate over the last few weeks and it looks like that uh, common sense is going to have to prevail at some stage and uh, whilst the drivers are always screaming for better tyres... Um, no change in the status quo, really, for Dunlop. 
Yeah, it's just one of those things. And um, just every now and then, we just sort of give them a little bit of a nudge and just remind them that, um, you know, we, we, like we, after Bathurst last year, we copped a little bit of grief with the tyre issues we had up there, et cetera, which we sort of got to the bottom of after a while. But it's the type of thing I could build a specific tyre to suit Bathurst that would be an absolute dog at five or six other rounds of the championship. And that's the type of thing we've got to be careful of with this soft tyre is, um, yes, it was all exciting. Yes, a lot, it's the first time probably 95% of this build's ever driven with grip. Um, like for this level, especially and stuff like that sort of thing. So we just need to sort of be, be careful and don't sort of, um, you know, like fly off and make rash decisions. We need to really sit down and think about it and say, look, is this going to work with everybody being on the same tyre or are we going to have more of the same and uh, all it'll mean is that everybody dives in sort of deeper under brakes and all those type of things. So uh, a little bit of water to go under the bridge, but, um, yeah, it's been pretty positive so far and uh, we're more than happy sounds like uh, we really do need the mix of tyres to ensure that we have the excitement we saw at Winton. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, we need to remember why the, um, why the sprint tyre was introduced was to try and create more passing than that. But, of course, if um, everybody's got it on at the same time, um, that was always the concern that um, people raised at Winton. They said, oh, you know, we'll worry that it was going to be everybody on the same tyre at the same time. Um, but now, all of a sudden, that's what they're asking for. So... Um, sometimes you're careful what you ask for because you could end up with another procession which nobody wants. But the the sheer fact of the the, the lot for it, maybe there's an option there that we could um, supply two sets of the sprint tyre and only one of the hard. And um, so at some point of time, you're still going to have somebody on the other tyre. So uh, um, yeah, by all means, we can we can discuss it, throw it open, and you know we'd love feedback from anybody, whether it be the the, the public and all the fans and all the drivers and the team owners and the managers. You know, like we can all come up with some sort of solution that uh, hopefully will improve the show, which is what we all want to do. Okay, then, and what is your expectation of the tyres performance down there at Launceston? Uh, well, I'm expecting it to be a bit cooler so, uh, than what we had at Winton and certainly when we tested. Uh, but the surface there, the lateral loading sort of thing, uh, coming past the pits and everything could grind a bit of rubber off, so um, that'll, that'll be interesting to see what the wear rate's like and everything. But the braking at the hairpin is going to be very, very interesting because uh, guys will have to be careful diving down the outside of somebody that's on the current hard tyre because they won't be able to turn in as tight as them. So there could be a few guys getting run wide into that arm curl on the exit of the uh, the hairpin, and um, it's going to be very, very interesting. But I think the braking performance is where it'll it'll show its teeth and, and be the big game sort of thing. So uh, it should be uh, certainly action-packed for the fans, that's for sure. Craig Lowndes talked about what he did with his tyres, where I know those tyres are directional, so they turned the tyre on the rim and just swapped sides. So obviously it was running on a different part of the tyre. Uh, is the camber and the loads on the tyre so much that there are patches of the tyre that don't get anywhere? Oh, yes. It's just the, the nature of the case itself, just the way the, the tread sticks and the case walks around. We've seen that the deflection on the undercar under car cameras from Bathurst and uh, the one on the back door last year on James Courtney's car where you see the deflection of the sidewall of the tyre. Um, but certainly, normally, what a lot of people would do would just be the corner to corner because we actually run the front tyres on the car in the reverse direction anyway. And the reason that's done is because when the, the tread of the tyre is joined onto the carcass, it has a splice in it that's 45-degree angle, and you just rub against the loaded edge of the splice uh, under load, which on the front is uh, under braking. Um, so you can actually swap the like, right front tyre to the left rear and the left front to the right rear and everything without having to swap them on the rims. Because the wear rate was a bit higher on the other tyre, they chose to turn the tyres on the rim and then uh, run them sort of on the same corner of the car. It just um, 
you just put the meat back to the inside. But traditionally, the tyres do wear on the inside edge more more so than the outside. So if you flip them on the rim, uh, it just gives you that extra half a millimetre of rubber. If you can tell me, on that Winton weekend, were they the only ones that did that? Um, to be perfectly, perfectly honest with you on that, I know there's a, um, there's one other team did it and everything, but I wasn't actually in the garage a fair bit of the weekend sort of thing. I was sort of down talking to uh, uh, drivers and team managers and debriefs and all sorts of things and everything, and I wasn't actually in the, the fitting area. So I'm not able to honestly answer that one for you, but I know there was one other team through necessity had to do it with that broken wheel, so um, they were able to do it. And, uh, yeah, we just sort of wait and see what, what comes of the rest of it from from, um, from Tassie. But, of course, we saw two things there we haven't seen in, for a long time with broken axles. Uh, so, you know, you have to give them a lot more grip than um, it's invite to somewhere else. And that was a very, very unusual thing. So there's a few more things we've got to think about for Simmons Lane. My thanks to Kevin Fitzsimmons of Dunlop. Luke West and Gordon Lomas as the Trekkers bag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.